0: Welcome to a brand new edition of Tyler's Take the Podcast. I'm your host, Tyler Peters, and I'm going to be discussing some all elite wrestling dynamite, doing a quick review from Wednesday night, September the 15th, which happened to be just yesterday as I'm recording this very episode. And there was a lot of exciting things to uh, break down. And no, it's not DX, it's the wrong company. But before we get into more detail, about some AEW, uh, you're probably asking the question, wondering to yourself, well, how can I listen to your program? Where can I find it? Well, your answer is coming up. Here's a spoiler. Uh, again, the wrong company. If you know anything about professional wrestling, sports entertainment, uh, Anchor, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts are some of the ways you can listen, and also Sportswire. Want to shout out to them on sportinarium.com radio player as well. But that's Sportswire. The shout out to Reverend Tom Bryce and to the Rewind Wrestling Radio Podcast and crew. This is a little sample of the new mouth of the south, Tyler Peters, as they have gave me that gimmick. I'm not worthy, Jimmy Hart, but thanks to uh, those nice people and just very knowledgeable panel. As part of that show, they have christened me, the new Mouth of the South, for a reason. And it's just stuck. Also, a new wrestling podcast that I'm really blessed to be a part of is called entitled Beyond the Ropes. Be on the lookout for that new episode and actually debut episode. As a matter of fact, coming to you on Tuesdays as we'll record the audio. It'll be released at a later date. Let me clarify i got to get my facts straight and correct. I'll make fun of myself a little bit during Tyler's sake, the podcast. So, you know, all elite wrestling's gaining momentum. It's not really a Wednesday night war. Maybe it could be a Friday night war. Whatever narrative the wrestling community wants to uh, throw out there on the world wide web, who knows? I tend to disagree wholeheartedly. It's going to be far from a war. But we'll talk about that on a later podcast. I will say, though, I can agree with the sentiment that AEW has been gaining some serious and major ground in the professional wrestling world. And this dynamite will prove it, at least as far as some of the matches in the major storylines that are very compelling, that have been fun to watch. So before we get the action going, CM Punk's going to be the guest commentator. And I must say, CM Punk, I forgot how articulate he can be with his verbiage, his words, in dissecting the matches. He just adds so much knowledge in a whole different unique element to the broadcast booth or table, as you could say, with Already a Hall of Famer and good old J.R. Jim Ross, one of my heroes, and Tony Schiavone, also one of my influences as well when I'm learning practicing commentary, especially when we're referencing professional wrestling. And Excalibur's growing on me. I must admit, wasn't a big fan of the mask gimmick. Uh, I feel like he ought to take his mask off, but oh well. That's what makes him uh, stand out, I guess, is Excalibur. He can explain a lot of the moves that, to be honest, I don't know about. And I think a lot of the audience has to learn, even the commentators like a JR and Tony Schiavone and even a CM Punk. So he does add that dimension, I guess, when mentioning Excalibur with all these difficult pronunciated holds and moves that have a lot of times Japanese names or Lucha Libre names. So kudos and big shout out and credit to Excalibur, a man I wasn't as big as a fan of, but he's really growing on me. So I'll slack off on my criticism of Excalibur. I think he's been doing a good job. So very appreciative of him kind of explaining the moves, doing his job as color commentary, essentially, is what that is, kind of adding the color to the play-by-play, more description. And CM Punk did that. As we'll talk about, as the show progressed, he was phenomenal. As much as Jericho adds to the broadcast as well, and I know he's doing a lot with Rampage. We've seen him guest commentate on Dynamite. CM Punk just has a different delivery that, personally, I enjoy, I think, better. And that's with respect to Jericho. Nothing wrong with Jericho's presentation. However, CM Punk, I'm going to have to go with him. So if he's not going to wrestle, yeah, use him on commentary. I enjoyed it because he would – be honest and open about scouting talent competition. And I like that dynamic when mentioning CM Punk. And before that, he came out with Cult of Personality by Living Color, a great song. And this will be just as big, if not bigger, than Judas. I mean, I know Fozzie and with Jericho coming out and the fans singing along, which is pretty remarkable. If you stop and think about it, comprehend how you get more fan and people interaction at these shows, whether you see them on television or their live events. I think, though, cult of personality with CM Punk is going to get even stronger than Judas. I know that's bold. They're both great. However, I mean, CM Punk is still over, not to mention seven years of not wrestling. That's what's just amazing, and to his credit when uh, mentioning the ever-controversial but talented CM Punk. And this first match, what a solid match to open up Dynamite with the in-ring debut of Adam Cole. Fresh off WWE TV, he showed up at All Out, and that was the talk of Chicago with him and Brian Danielson and Ruby Soho concerning surprises for that event. And Frankie Kazarian and Adam Cole had a great match. Two very skilled, knowledgeable guys. And Frankie Kazarian's been a journeyman. He's been an impact ring of honor. He's been well-traveled. I thought it was a just a phenomenal choice as far as an opponent for Adam Cole, his debut. These guys told a just a nice story in the ring as they should, as you would expect, between you know, Kazarian and Cole. And I, I love the spot where Kazarian blocked the Panama sunrise. It, it looked like he was, he was doomed and he countered it. Cause you don't want to make it too obvious. And I'm starting to understand that even as a fan, I'm, I'm not saying I know the ins and outs of the business or how the matches develop, but what I am saying is it made me anticipate it more. Could this be the end, but it didn't disappoint. Cause it, the match still went on and it went on a little longer as it should out of respect to both Kazarian and Cole, both competitors. But at the end, Cole wins it as he should. I mean, Kazarian, you hate to see anybody lose, especially Frankie Kazarian, but you understand the logic because Adam Cole's your big star coming in and that's not a knock on Kazarian. He was the right guy and personnel to have in there for this matchup. And after the match, Cole, It's story time with Adam Cole, baby. I've got to work on that. Where's Adam Cole when you need him for my etiquette on his promo? Always is, you know, fantastic on the mic. It's Adam Cole. That's what I was getting at, trying to think of the word. Uh, He calls out Christian Cage, Jungle Boy, Luchasaurus, the Jurassic Express to a match, and that's going to happen Next Friday night on Rampage, I believe, as they went down the card, and it's going to be a six-man, I'm assuming a trios match, as AEW's been famous for in the six-man tag match. Uh, I think we'll actually be a very good match. It'll be actually Adam Cole with the Young Bucks. Let me make that clear. So we're all understanding, including myself, about that matchup. And going through the card after the Cole-Kazarian match, MJF has just been fire on the mic. You talk about blurring the lines of reality into storyline. That's been, you know, MJF to a T. Of course, accompanied by Wardlow. He's making fun of Brian Pillman. He's being a jerk. He's being that heel, that villain, that evil menace. And he's making fun of New Jersey, calling it the armpit of America. I'm paraphrasing all of this because it's hard to remember the promo line for line, I must say. And Brian Pillman actually one-ups him, outsmarts the uh, very intelligent MJF with Wardlow by having his music played, and then he sneaks up behind him, going to hit him with a steel chair. Of course, MJF cowers in the corner near the turnbuckle, and Wardlow gets in there. There's a confrontation. And then right when Wardlow is going to seem to attack and do damage to Brian Pillman Jr., he misses and goes over the top rope due to Pillman being able to do a maneuver to counter the attack from Wardlow. And essentially, it's Pillman Jr. that outsmarts MJF and Wardlow. So this is very well done. I'm glad they're building up Brian Pillman Jr. and telling more of his story. It's very inspirational evidently sad he went through a lot of trials and tribulations in his life did brian pillman jr the son of the late great flying brian pillman the loose cannon and he he looks so much like his dad but he's got to be his own man his own wrestler and we'll see if he gets revenge on mjf coming up on dynamite next week it's part of the grand slam It's a lot of big events and big shows. We Four hours of all elite wrestling. Where Rampage is normally a one-hour format, we get two hours of Rampage next week on TNT, and then we get our normal two hours of Dynamite on TNT next week on Wednesday night. So a lot of wrestling, not to mention WWE with Raw and NXT 2.0 on Tuesday nights and SmackDown on Fox. There's just so much of it, not to mention on YouTube and everything else, all the content and platforms. But I'm enjoying this feud between MJF and Pillman Jr. Going back to Cincinnati, calling out his Aunt Linda, the dark side of the ring. They referenced that with, I believe, his sister and everything. It may have been his aunt. I'll have to try to remember. She went into labor. MJF's promo was so good. She had the baby going back to Cincinnati to that homecoming. have to tell you a little bit about that because it, it's vital to the storyline going into New Jersey. Into this segment, but MJF just he lives the gimmick. I mean, if kayfabe was still around, which I believe in some ways it is, MJF is living proof of kayfabe that it can still be alive. It is still instrumental in professional wrestling. So we're going through the segments. Next up, we've got Dante Martin with Matt Sadael taking on FTR. FTR, reminiscent of Tolly Blanchard, their cornerman, their manager, and Aaron Anderson. And the Midnight Express with Jim Cornette. you got beautiful Bobby Eaton, lover boy, Dennis Condray. Some of the territory wrestling. I mean, we saw it with NXT. We saw it with the WWE and now AEW. And even when they started out in the independents, you could see the potential and the talent from Willer and Harwood. And then you add Blanchard. That's all you need. What a mix. What a combination. Essentially, instead of a tag team, it's a three-man adding a manager. And Dante Martin, Matt Seidel did a lot of great innovative stuff as far as high flying. But FTR sold very well for them. But when it came to be aggressive and attacking, focusing on a body part, it doesn't get much better than FTR. DAX and cash are where it's at. They're where they are, are where it's at, is what I'm getting at. So bear with me. That was just an unbelievable contest. FTRs can slow down the pace. They can speed it up when they need to. This was the team that Martin and Sidel needed. Now, Sidel's a veteran, but he's got a, essentially a rookie he's working with, and you need even more experience on the other side of the opposing team. So that's where, you know, FTR comes into play. Thought it was a great match, a great win for FTR. And I love getting a chance to see them work and wrestle. It's, it's special. Love Harwood and Wheeler with Blanchard. And that's Dax Harwood and Cash Wheeler, by the way, with Tully. Another solid match. I enjoyed it. Normally, I'm not into high spots and, and too much speed all the time, even though I, I realize you got to change it up. Wrestling has to evolve, but FTR – can slow it down, they can pick it up when they need to, and they can get more of that story across, which that's my preference. And I'm I'm coming from that a little bit from the old school frame of thinking as well. Jim Crockett days, Mid-South, uh, Florida Championship Wrestling, you know, coming at it from those perspectives. Even though I, I realize I've got to change. I, I'm a young guy, but I, I still go back to the old school uh, nostalgic Type of wrestling, just like with my movies or, or TV shows and even sports. But I'm trying to keep up with the times, only being born in 1986. Cody Rhodes, this was a great segment. Now, personally, I would have liked Rhodes to have waited till the match with Malachi Black, but they had Rosario Dawson, the celebrity, because she was a judge on the show with Cody Rhodes, which was kind of neat. It felt a little bit out of place, if I'm being honest. But this segment was great with Cody Rhodes, Malachi Black, fighting into the stands and this whole confrontation. I'm going to contradict myself, even though I said Rhodes, I would have liked for him to be held off to their match at Grand Slam in New York at the next Dynamite, next week's Dynamite to be exact. This made the match have more interest in it because these guys were brawling. Cody Rhodes told the story, hey, I'm going to retire. He got attacked by Malachi Black. Malachi Black has pretty much decimated the Nightmare family, those closely associated with Cody. So I love the brawl in the stands. It just adds some spontaneous excitement. That makes sense because Cody Rhodes and Malachi Black have been feuding and we haven't seen Rhodes on television for, what, about a month now. So this builds up anticipation, a surprise element. That's natural and makes sense. So it wasn't like it came out of the blue. I actually, you know, enjoyed this. Thought it was a blast seeing them fight into the crowd, the fans giving their beverages to help. Hey, talk about fan interaction at its best, at its peak. It doesn't get much better than this Rhodes Malachi Black segment. So that was fun. Chris Jericho, Jake Hager, interrupt Dan Labyrinth, America's top team. We saw all the major Bellator UFC personnel, Paige Van Zandt, which was awesome. I mean, this is like WWE stuff, but it's AEW. That was big time to get all these uh, stars from that that field, that world and that sport and profession. Dan Lambert can cut some great promos. i, I got to agree with Jim Cornette. It's like he stole his material, though. Not that Lambert can't think of his own material, but it sounds a lot like if you're listening to the drive-through or the experience, the criticisms of AEW, he's actually – They've been very supportive if you re- read a lot of the headlines lately from articles that, when speaking of the great Jim Cornette, which I'm a fan of. I mean, you say what you want to, controversial, yes. Nose wrestling, oh, definitely. There's no question or doubt about that when uh, mentioning Jim Cornette. But Dan Labber, you know, he's been doing this the past several weeks, being the grumpy old man and – calling out AEW, all the wrestlers, making fun of the fans as Marks and everything else and all the insults, and which has been kind of funny to uh, watch and listen to. And he, he's surrounded by all these, you know, UFC, MMA, Bellator people and personnel. We talked about Paige Van Zandt. That was a big appearance to have her on this program. And then, of course, he's had Scorpio Sky and Ethan Page. They're trying to get that rub from Dan Lambert, America's top team on their guts, which is not a bad strategy. And then we get Chris Jericho. Speaking of a cult of personality, we've got Judas playing. And uh, the fans are going to sing along. And here comes Chris Jericho with Jake Hager, who's been undefeated in Bellator. So this works. I didn't mind this. And Jericho cut a great promo to combat Dan Lambert. I mean, took some good shots at him. So it actually makes me kind of buy into this a little bit where it's not so funny because there's been those elements as well. Let's not kid ourselves. But I, I kind of like where they're going. Sometimes patience is a virtue. Am I right? Or is it not? Who knows anymore? A little bit of comedy for you. So that was fun. You know, Jane Cargill taking on Layla Hirsch, legit Layla Hirsch, by the way who's got a home in Hillsborough, New Jersey. She's originally from Moscow, Russia. So uh, this is a homecoming for her being here in Newark, New Jersey, pretty close. And this was the most competitive match, the commentator said it, that Jane Cargill has had. I thought it was uh, this was one of her better matches and largely due to Layla Hirsch. Jane Cargill's impressive. She's a great athlete, great physique. And the sky's the limit, still very green. But the upside's there. And uh, glad she's getting her opportunities. And I'm happy for Layla Hirsch. You know, I'm a short guy and she's even shorter than me, but it's tough. This woman could beat me up. She could beat a lot of men up. And I've got a lot of respect for Layla Hirsch, what she did against Camille at the NWA in power pay per view, a little crossover with AEW. So Layla Hirsch is more of that, that shooter, that mat wrestler and technician. She would use that a little bit and also go through the rubs, use the dives to uh, take out Jane Cargill. But Jane Cargill would have to rely on her power and strength and athleticism. But at the end, Cargill went over. She won, which I, I didn't mind. I mean, I, either way, because I like both these competitors, but I, I'm partial more to Layla Hirsch just due to her overall ability in the ring. That was a fun contest, though. And then, of course, the big angle, CM Punk, was guest commentating. Well, Team Taz has had an issue going back to last week in Cincinnati, kind of off the cuff. That's the only thing about some of the the, uh, angles in all the league wrestling that I have a problem and would critique. But this was interesting. I mean, Taz comes out with Hook, his son, and part of Team Taz, and interrupts the uh, broadcast area, the commentary team and gets in CM Punk's face and lures him out near the entranceway only for powerhouse Hobbs to attack him. And then he just slams him through the table, the broadcast table. So I wasn't as crazy about it going back from last week in Cincinnati, but now in New Jersey, the way they set this up, I don't know. And you've got Hobbs. I really am a big fan and supporter of powerhouse Hobbs. I've heard even J.R. and, and Cornette reference maybe – Locking him, him to uh, when mentioning Hobbs to a a Butch Reed, somebody like that from the mid South days, and I could see that the potential was there. And Big E is a fan from WWE, and I'm a fan of both those guys, Big E from WWE and Powerhouse Hobbs from AEW. I like how they set this up. You know, CM Punk. I don't know what opponent you would choose for him because I'm not part of AEW's creative. I'm I'm just a spectator, an onlooker. From even from television, not even at the live events or live shows. But this could make for some fascinating TV. Hobbs versus CM Punk. Talk about a size clash. More power and brawling from Hobbs and probably more technical, pure wrestling from CM Punk. But it could work with the right circumstances. And I'm really enjoying this. And we're going to see the match between Hobbs and Punk coming up as part of the Grand Slam week. I believe that's going to be on Rampage, if I'm correct. Uh, that'll happen still in New York and Queens at Arthur Ashe Stadium. So that's a big event. And to be in WWE turf, actually, with the Northeast AW put, uh, footprint there, that is monumental. I mean, incredible news. So they're lining up a card. It's stat card. All thanks to Dynamite and Rampage and even their dark programming. Their dark program is the one that built up the uh, Jade Cargill – a uh, legit Layla Hirsch matchup. So that I like that. I don't mind it. Still need more explanation, but I get it. Sometimes we, we see angles happen a night before or a couple nights prior. So it's not anything uncommon. And of course, Darby Allen versus Sean Spears. This was a good match. Darby Allen does some crazy stuff, but the guy can work and he he sells and he goes through a lot of pain. And Spears this season, he's a veteran. I like him with Tully and I like him with the, the pinnacle. This is somebody who can benefit greatly. And I've got a lot of respect. And I'm becoming more of a fan of Sean Spears every time I hear his promo or see his work in the ring and being the chairman. Uh, I think it's fantastic. Uh, this was a good match. I, I like the interaction with Sting. You know, Sting just kind of standing there is a little bit out of times, but you got to remember the Crow character he's betraying. He's it's still kind of shades of the Crow persona. When uh, talking about the Stinger, and I love the history. This goes back to some horseman history. When you think of Tolly Blanchard being in the corner of Sean Spears and Sting in the corner of Darby Allin. Sting was the ultimate babyface and good guy for such a long time for WCW in his humble beginnings with not only Mid-South, the UWF, but Jim Crockett promotions. And Tolly Blanchard, you know, with the horsemen, they could stand Sting. They were the villains. They were the ultimate heels. So they would attack Sting. You know, Sting was chasing Flair for the NWA World Heavyweight title in 1990. Sting was a temporary member of the Horsemen. And they attacked him. They turned on him at a clash of the champions in Texas. And then it set up that big match with Ric Flair. I should uh, allude to Sting versus Ric Flair at the Great American Bash 1990 in Baltimore, Maryland, where Sting would win to become the NWA World Heavyweight Champion. You know, Flair had made Sting at Clash the Champions 88 and made him again a 90. And a, every match they had were big time feud. And with the horsemen, too. Arn Anderson, Ole Anderson, Tolley Blanchard. Didn't matter if it was Barry Windham or, you know, Lex Luger was in there. But Blanchard called out Sting and Darby Allen. And this worked because Spears, even though Allen had won the match, and I thought it was a good matchup. FTR gets in the ring. Well, Spears and FTR are part of the pinnacle. That's why it makes sense. And they attack Darby Allen. And they go after Sting after Sting was hit by a chair from Tully Blanchard. And then Sting no-sold it like he did with the chops, sometimes from the nature boy Ric Flair. And that's where FTR went to work, attacked Sting and Darby Allen, wiping off both their face paint, making it personal. Think about it. Lucha Libre, there's the mask with these painted wrestlers. It puts it into perspective, doesn't it? With wiping off the face paint. And they do the Pound Driver spot on Sting, and he sells it great. And then totally Blanchard. It's reminiscent of the Horseman. it not some classic NWA stuff with modern new wrestling and AEW. All currency of... Cash Wheeler, Dax Harwood, and Tony Blanchard. I mean, I'm a fan of Sting and Darby, but I'm also getting to appreciate and be more of a fan of the horsemen and what Tolly Blanchard did in the business and what FTR continues and progresses to do in the wrestling profession. So I thought it was a great angle. It, wasn't, it didn't come off as silly. Not with all these uh, participants. I don't think you could even say that. So nice uh, way to build some storylines, whether backstage or in the ring after matches, before matches. And here was a big segment, Brian Danielson with Tony Schiavone. which he challenged Kenny Omega. What happened is before Danielson could really even talk. Now, this is what kind of kills me about AEW, but at the end it worked out on this segment, is let the guys talk a little bit. I mean, it's Brian Danielson for cried out loud. Let the men speak. That's a pet peeve of mine. And Tony Schiavone, poor guy, gets the mic ripped out of his hand all the time. I don't like that. You know, let the interviewer do his job as a journalist. Let him hold the microphone. That also has been a little bit nerve-wracking, but I digress. Danielson, you know, gets interrupted by Don Callis and Kenny Omega, the AAW World Heavyweight Champion. And Don Callis, I think he's a great personality. But it's starting to kind of get old and on my nerves a little bit. But at the same time, I'm going to contradict myself yet again. Kenny Omega is not a strong promo. So you got to have some hot man in there. And let's talk about that pink suit. Very fancy by Don Callis. He's annoying. He does his job. Because even though I'm a fan, I get annoyed by Don Callis. So he's, he's talented. He's got a lot of depth. I agree with the assessment on Mr. Callis you know, Danielson calls him a piece of, you know what, I'm not going to say it because I'm not going to cuss on this program. Keep it very clean in case kids are watching and families want to watch. Danielson's been allowed a Leeway to kind of cuss and use foul language with his role in AEW. Not that he wasn't with WWE, but we are hearing more uh, of those type words and language. And he, I love the confrontation with him and uh, Kenny Omega. He finally gets him to agree and say yes to a match, and we're going to see it happen next week on Dynamite as part of the Grand Slam ordeal. And that's the dream match. That's the fantasy match. Now, they've met each other before in different promotions, but think about it. He was Daniel Bryan in WWE. Kenny Omega was still having those runs in Japan and doing a lot of stuff you know, also in America and throughout Canada. And now we're getting to see that matchup though with their characters, fully transparent in the growth of each individual, each man. Now, I'm not a big fan of Omega. I think he's talented. I think he is good. What adds credibility, believability to the promo, the whole segment was that Daniel Bryan is right. He's not on his level. And I said Daniel Bryan. See, it's hard not to. Bryan Danielson, the American Dragon. It's tough because we're so used to that character. We want to still call him that when talking about Brian Danielson. And that's the thing. I think he is better in the ring. And I think he can definitely out-talk Kenny Omega. But this will be a real test for the AEW World Heavyweight Champion. And it will make it more believable because it will be a struggle. I mean, it will make Kenny Omega elevate his game, which will make Omega better, so it all works out. I think it's going to be the matchup we're all looking forward to seeing and seeing the in-ring debut in AEW, a new company, and this time it's not going to be Daniel Bryan. It will be in a sense, but it's going to be Bryan Danielson, the return of the American dragon. I think that's what intrigues everybody, all the audience. So I'm looking forward to that. That was a fantastic segment. And of course we get John Moxley, Eddie Kingston verse 2.0 with Daniel Garcia. It was a good match. You know, I'm happy for 2 I'm happy for Moxley and Kingston. The fans get behind them. They're over. They're both very physical. I got to say, I think due to time, they're just having to rush these main events. We saw it with uh, Suzuki and Moxley, even with Moxley being in his hometown in Cincinnati. And I realize you don't want to give away everything on TV. You want to save it for a big pay-per-view or a big event. I understand it. But at the same time, these matches are just getting rushed. It's unbelievable. But from what I saw, it was okay. It was decent. And then Archer and Suzuki, they were a faction in New Japan. They come out afterwards, after the match, after Moxley and Kingston won against 2.0 with Daniel Garcia. And they brawl into the crowd. So that, as exciting, as fun as that was, it, I don't know. It just, And I, I like some of the New Japan guys. It's not a knock on them or, or Lance Archer. It's just – or Suzuki. It's cool seeing him and, and the forbidden door deal. As a matter of fact, I just, I feel like they're getting rushed. It's kind of a mess at times, if I'm being transparent with our our viewers and listeners. But that's been my coverage of AEW Dynamite. This has been a brand new episode of Tyler's Take the Podcast. I'm your host, once again, Tyler Peters. You can find the show on Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts and Sportswire Radio. This will be also played on there, and it'll give you a sample of some of the other great podcasts that I'm a part of, involved with, when talking about the Rewind Wrestling Radio podcast and coming soon, the Beyond the Ropes podcast. And also, you can find the Rewind Wrestling Radio podcast on YouTube, the video version for audio versions. You can find it on Anchor, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts as well. And we'll have more information on other apps in ways you can listen to these very programs, a lot of great content. It's a very exciting time to be a wrestling fan, but I hope you enjoyed it. I wanted to talk and cover some wrestling. I'm going to change it up though. Talk movies, talk some sports, talk some TV programs and really change up the format concerning the podcast. But until next time I'm signing off saying goodbye. And I'd be interested to hear your feedback, your comments on this AEW review. But I'll see you next time on a brand new episode of Toddler's Take the Podcast.